Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is Session 72. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we're going to pick up on Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse uh, 20. So turn, unless you're driving, of course, to Acts chapter 9, verse 20. And uh, where we last left off, Paul has been converted, and he has gone from someone who actively sought the death and the imprisonment of people who had converted to Christianity to uh, Paul is now an ardent uh, follower of Jesus Christ, and he won't shut up about uh, how great Jesus is, and he's telling everybody and so because of that, now I'm, I'm summarizing what we'll see in the first few verses, starting at verse 20. Uh, because of that, he has uh, stirred up, quote unquote, trouble amongst the Jews who have chosen uh, to not follow Jesus because Paul is, is trying to convert them now. He, he went there to persecute them, and now he's trying to uh, convert them. So that doesn't go over well. So what did Paul do? Did he just decide he was going to stand Damascus and start his own church and, you know, make up his own doctrine? No. He knows that the truth, the full truth and nothing but the truth, comes from the church that Christ started. So we see in verse 26, he wanted to go to Jerusalem so that he could join the disciples. And uh, by the way, what I'd like you to do is underline the first part of verse 26, where it says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. And in your margins, write Galatians chapter 1, verse 18. And there Paul is give, will give us a little more detail uh, about an encounter that he has with Peter. Um, and he writes in, the, in Galatians to the people of Galatia. He wants them to know in that passage in Galatians, hey, I spent 15 days with Peter. Well, why is that important? He wants them to know, hey, I, Paul, am not starting my own church here. I am... I, I sat at the feet, if you will, of Peter for 15 days to make sure that I had the right doctrine so that I could uh, tell the, the truth and, and nothing but the truth uh, as I went on my missionary journeys. So uh, Paul recognized the authority of the church. Yes, the one church that Christ started, the one church that Jesus gave the power to bind and loose and the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So, very important there. So, he, he tries to join the disciples in verse 26, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Easy to understand why. He had been uh, responsible for the death of Stephen a couple of uh, lessons back, or maybe one lesson back, and he was a persecutor of the church. But who saves them? Who, 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 gets, who intercedes for him here? A new Christian himself. In verse 27, we see that that's Barnabas, who we saw a couple of sessions ago. He was a new Christian himself. Barnabas, you'll recall, the name means son of encouragement. So it says that Barnabas took charge of him and brought him to the apostles, and they reported, and he reported to them how on the way he had seen the Lord and what had happened and all that. So they, they took him in and, uh, uh, others were still trying to kill Paul, 
And when the brothers learned of this, this is in verse 30, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him on his way to Tarsus, where Paul is from. Then we have a couple of healing stories in the remainder of chapter 9. Won't go into, into them in any great detail. We see that uh, Aeneas, uh, who is a follower, uh, was paralyzed and Peter healed him. Uh, the only thing I'll point out is in verse 34, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Well, although uh, Jesus Christ gave Peter the power to heal, Peter recognized that that power was only given to him by, by Christ. And so it is with our church. Uh, what our church is able to do, what we are able to do through the church, we are only able to do it because Christ gives the church and us power to work through him. So we are the uh, arms and uh, legs and the hands and feet, if you will, of Christ on this earth. So very important. Peter also uh, restores Tabitha to life. Tabitha, for you old timers, you may recall that was a name of a child in the TV movie Bewitched. So now you know where that came from. And because of these healings, it says many came to believe in the Lord. That's in verse 42. Now we're on to chapter 10, where we're introduced to Cornelius, who's a centurion, a Roman centurion. So he's an officer in the Roman army, and he has, what, a hundred or so men that report to him. But he's a good guy, and he gives alms to Jewish causes and all that sort of thing. And God's going to use him. Uh, an angel of God came to him and said, Hey, Cornelius, your prayers and almsgiving have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Uh, send some men to Joppa, that's the town where Peter was staying at, and summon Peter. And so about this time that um, the uh, servants, uh, that uh, Cornelius's servants are going to Joppa, Peter has this vision, and in this vision, by the way, Peter's pretty hungry, and he wanted to eat, right? And so a voice said to Peter in verse 13 of chapter 10, get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. And in verse 12, you know, Peter had seen reptiles and birds of the sky, uh, and, you know, you're not supposed to eat these things in Orthodox Judaism. Uh, by the way, why don't we why don't we keep Jewish dietary laws today uh, as Christians? And the answer is because the Catholic Church says you don't have to. And why does the Catholic Church say you don't have to? Because of this very vision, okay? Where um, Peter Peter even protests against the angel, and he says, "I'm not going to eat that stuff. You know, never have I eaten anything profane and unclean." The voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has made clean, you are not to call profane. This happened three times. By the way, anytime something happens three times or, or three is, is, is mentioned in scripture, it's always followed by something pretty cool, right? Like Jesus in the tomb three days and then the resurrection, etc., etc. Okay, so you got a couple of neat things going on here. Number one, the dietary laws... Uh, are being, you know, uh, done away with, right? Because the voice says, hey, you, you know, 
anything that that you want to eat, you know, go go ahead and eat it. So that's thing number two. But what else had been declared unclean? The answer, or maybe I should say, who else? The answer is Gentiles. Jews didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. Jews could not enter the home of a Gentile. Gentile could not enter the home of a Jew, or that would make the Jews' home considered unclean. So with that as background, at the very time that Peter's having this vision, you've got three uh, messengers from Cornelius, who himself is a Gentile, uh, who are coming to see Peter. And so somebody goes to uh, Peter's wondering about this vision, verse 19, um, the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit said to him, there are three men here looking for you. So get up, go downstairs and accompany them without hesitation because I have sent them. So the Holy Spirit has sent these three men and they're Gentiles. So what happens in verse 23, here's a real precedent. Peter invited them in and showed them hospitality. Whoa, that's a real breakthrough from a uh, societal standpoint for the Jews because, once again, uh, previously Jews had considered Gentiles to be unclean. The mere presence of them was considered an act of uncleanliness. Okay, so the next day he gets up and he follows these three guys and they take him to Cornelius' home. And it says, whoa, in verse 25, Peter enters. So a few verses ago, Gentiles entered where Peter was staying, act of uncleanliness in the past. Verse 25, Peter enters Cornelius's home. Wow, what a breakthrough. Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, paid him homage. And Peter, however, raised him up saying, get up. I myself am also a human being. Um... And uh, while he conversed with them, he went in and found many people gathered together and said to them, this is Peter saying, you know that it's unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or visit even a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call any person profane or unclean. And uh, so then Cornelius retells Peter the story about, uh, you know, the, uh, the angel who appeared to Cornelius. And then Peter says, um, it's Peter's turn to speak. And in verse 34 and on, he says, in truth, I see that God shows no partiality. Verse 35, rather in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. What a breakthrough. Okay. And then it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these things, the Holy Spirit, there he is again. Remember we said Acts could otherwise be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the word. And um, they're, you know, everybody is, you know, they're speaking in tongues and glorifying God. Maybe that means they could understand each other, Jew and Gentile, not sure. Um, different uh, interpretations of what this particular speaking in tongues means, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But what I am going to go into is, once again, we see two things, baptism and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, let's take a look. Verse 47, can anyone, Peter responded, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the, you guessed it, Holy Spirit, even as we have? Verse 48, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for a few days. So we see how the Holy Spirit has made a paradigm shift in this new fledgling church, and Gentiles are now welcome. Okay, pretty cool, right? Everything's great, and that would be great if the story ended there with the church just growing and growing and growing. But it's not popular with everybody, as we will see in chapter 11. So let's look at chapter 11, verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised or the Jewish believers confronted him saying, you entered the house of uncircumcised people and you ate with them. You know, you entered the home of Gentiles and you ate with them. You know, we're uncomfortable like that. And maybe sometimes in church, we might be a little like that ourselves. In other words, we like to go to church with people that look like us, sound like us, talk like us, act like us. And shame on us if we're a little uncomfortable with people from other cultures, other colors, etc., who uh, wish to worship with us, right? And so... Uh, Peter, because of the Holy Spirit appearing to Peter, Peter said, no, 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 you know, got a new way of doing things. This, this church is going to be the universal church. And that is what the word Catholic means is universal. So uh, my own experience is uh, the Catholic church has uh, a greater societal, um, uh, you know, a, a greater mix of society than other churches that, you know, in some other Christian faiths that I'm familiar with, okay? So they're giving him grief, and they're saying, uh, hey, why, why are you committing this awful sin by eating with Gentiles and going into their home? And then Peter gives them the explanation, you know, kind of that he had given to the people around uh, Cornelius, and um, he says in verse 17, if God gave them the same gift he gave to us when we came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to be able to hinder God? And then in verse 18 of chapter 11, uh, when they heard this, when the, the Jewish Christians, the, the Jews who had converted to Christianity uh, had heard this, they stopped objecting and glorified God saying, God has then granted life-giving repentance to the Gentiles too. Now in verse 19, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that arose because of Stephen went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Circle Antioch, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Uh, reach, uh, preaching the word to uh, no one but Jews. But there were some others there who came and began to speak to the Greeks as well. And so Barnabas was sent to, uh, to Antioch. And, uh, you know, Barnabas is a good guy and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then um, they, they found Paul and they brought him to Antioch. And a lot of great stuff's going on. For a whole year, they met with the, with the church and taught a large number of people. 
And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. So that's why I had you circle Antioch. So if you ever get on Jeopardy, and the question is, or I guess that you have to put it in the form of a question and say, uh, the place where people were first called Christians, the answer is Antioch. Antioch, by the way, is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And at the time, it was the third largest city in the whole Roman Empire. And all three of Paul's subsequent missionary journeys started in Antioch. So this will show you what the new community of, of Christians in Antioch thought about individual churches. It shows, uh, beginning in verse 27, 28, we see that uh, there was a severe famine predicted all throughout the world, and that actually happened. So the disciples, at verse 29, just determined that according to ability, each should send relief to the brothers who lived in Judea, not in their immediate area, okay? So this growing church in Antioch knew that they were a part of a larger universal church, if you will, and so they organized relief efforts to help that church. So even in the beginning, we see that while there were individual locations of Christians, there was an understanding that there was a universal church and that each church was responsible for the, uh, the you know, the guidance, or I should say the uh, welfare, if you will, of other churches. Then uh, in chapter 12, we see some persecution of the Christians. We see Peter being arrested again, put in jail. But then there's another miracle. Uh, an angel of the Lord uh, tells Peter to get up and the chains fell from his wrist. And, uh, you know, he, he gets away, he makes for interesting reading. Not a lot of doctrinal things in chapter 12. But we do see that um, James, the brother of John, was killed by the sword. Um, and so it's, it's not a, always a great time for the church, but we do know that the uh, blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and the church continues to grow. Um, after Barnabas and Saul completed their relief mission, I'm reading from uh, verse 25 of chapter 12, they returned to Jerusalem, taking with them John, who is called Mark. And that's John Mark, and he will begin to accompany them on their first missionary journey, which we will read about in chapter 13. But now we're out of time, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, dear Lord, we're thankful that the church continued to grow. And we are thankful that even though the, the Christians were scattered because of persecution, that scattering actually contributed to the growth of the church in other areas. And we are thankful that the Holy Spirit continued to guide that growing church. We pray that the Holy Spirit continue to grow to guide the church and to us individually uh, in our own lives as we seek to follow you. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So come back with us next time on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study, and we'll begin to look at the uh, first missionary journey 
of Paul and his friends. Thank you.